Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter number 1. And, and uh, it's easy to get distracted in life by doing good things. There's nothing wrong with good things, that is, unless those good things take place of the best things. So uh, we, uh, when those good things replace those best things, then it's those good things that rob us of the best things. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for just a, a, the good things. I want what God has that's best for me. I want to see what, what God desires to do, how he desires to grow and mold and shape us. And, uh, and so as we are, are jumping in, we've been looking. And, and uh, that's uh, as we look and you say, God, forgive us for settling uh, for the good at the expense of the best. God forgive us for doing so. And now that uh, that's not only true in our personal life, but uh, true in our spiritual and in our church life. It's easy to be satisfied with the good rather than strive for the best. That's why uh, when we uh, come along, we've been talking uh, a little bit about focus, about getting back to the basics last week and proclaiming the gospel and introducing the lost to Christ, baptizing, discipling. Uh, and uh, seeing folks re reproduce and lead others to Christ is getting back to the basics, the experiencing God, uh, God's best and His blessing in, in our, our marriages and in our fellowship. That is uh, getting back to the basics. And so if I were to illustrate it, I would have to pick on. I like uh, Vince Lombardi quite a bit. I like football illustrations, as you know. And so here you go. I like Vince Lombardi, but I do have to pick on another team. And I don't need to hear the groan because I know that some of you don't like them. <clears throat> Over here, it's not the Bears, and your husband would not, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that, all right? That way we get it out there. But how about the first team to have a 16-win season? Regular season, you say, I here let's take a trip on it and how did it happen well they were able to have their best season though they have had several good seasons and somebody says well it was by outscoring their opponents and that's true but how did they do it do by doing the basics they went back to the basics the new england patriots and bill belichick <clears throat> i thought a couple of you might growl at me so I wanted to give you a moment, but he took them back to the basics, the basics of blocking and tackling. If you know Bill Belichick, you look at his history, and that's what he does. And Well, the book of Acts is just that. It's the basics. It's taking us back to the basics, the, the church 101. And, and uh, we're going to get back to the basics where God's best is, in, is blessing, and the, the keys are found in the book of Acts. So uh, as we're looking in Acts chapter 1, we think under the heading back to the basics, and so uh, the last time we discovered from, from Dr. Luke that, that getting back to the basics involves the priority of the resurrection. That makes our relationship with Jesus alive, and, and that is that Jesus is alive. He lives within us. We uh, were able to go, and so that's why we gather on Sunday, rather on Saturday, because of the resurrection of Jesus. That makes uh, forgiveness of sin before a holy God possible because the resurrection of Jesus. That what, that's what makes worship and, and celebration rather than a ceremony. It's the resurrection of Jesus. Thank God our Savior, He lives. So getting back to the basics involves the priority of the resurrection in our witness, in our worship, and in our work. Not only the resurrection, but back to the basics involves being spirit-filled 
saints. And that's where the power is, the power of, to overcome temptation, the power to, to, to be a witness for Jesus, the power to live pure lives, the Holy Spirit power. And, and without it, God's best is beyond our reach. If I want what God's best is, then I've got to be searching for God's power, God's uh, desire in my life. And we need a daily time. If we're going to find that power, we need a daily time of confession. Uh, I've got to come before God and go, here I am. I don't know about you, but I have to confess every day. Brian might go, hey, that's you. But uh, you know what? The reality, though, is, is each of us have attitudes that need to be confessed before God every day. Every one of us. Not only the confession, but, but then the, the cleansing and ask God to, to cleanse. And, and then the commitment to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go back down that road again. To be able to stand up and say, I, I'm not going there. Saying, God, I, fill me with your spirit. Control my mind, my actions, my choices, my attitudes, my eyes, my mouth. To say, God, I don't want to be the one in control. I want you in control. I want you doing the work. And that brings us to chapter 1 and... Getting back to the basics, in chapter number 1 and verse number 9, our text begins and he describes the ascension of the Lord Jesus back to heaven and what those, those disciples saw that day that forever changed their focus as well as their fellowship. That, that uh, it, it changed their faith. It was a look that took would be another way that, to express it. But let's read and look at what, what it meant back then, what it means today to us, and what it means uh, for us individually, And which, by the way, we should always consider that as we're studying the Word of God. What's it do? What does it mean? What, what was it meant for them back then? Or was it, uh, what does it mean for us today? And what does it mean for us spiritually? And so uh, let's begin reading Acts chapter number 1, verse number 9. We'll begin reading. It says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zealots and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask that you'd add blessing to the reading of your word. I ask that you would uh, fill my mouth with the, mouth with the words from you. Not my words or my thoughts, but Father, that it would be your word. And may this time be spirit anointed. Spirit spoken, and Lord, I ask that you would uh, you would just speak as only you could do in our hearts and our lives today, and move us and help us to respond as you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I, I want you to notice when they saw what they saw that day forever changed their life individually as well as collectively. 
So uh, it was a look that took. In fact, notice beginning in verse number 9 that they, uh, they were one in focus. That group of believers were now focused on the resurrection. You look at verse number 9, he says, When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. You see the word watch there in verse number 9. Luke uses here doesn't uh, refer to a casual glance, but a constant gaze. A constant gaze. He was, uh, they were gazing with amazement upon Jesus. Their, their full attention was given to the resurrection that suddenly became the rising Jesus. See, they saw Jesus lifted up on a cross, now lifted up to heaven from, and from that day forward. They lifted him up before men. You look and you go, here it is. Getting back to the basics involves our being one in focus, and that focus is lifting up Jesus. We've got to lift him up. We've got to present him. And the one thing that lifts, uh, it's one thing to lift him up in worship. It's something else to lift him up every day of the week. Every day of the week as we walk in our life, in our attempt to lift up Jesus throughout our community, I, I want to ask us if, uh, to join me in investing time in somebody else. I gave you that challenge last week too. Who is it that we're investing some time in? Maybe a couple or a person that's, that uh, is outside of our church or outside of our norm and, and serve them, minister to them, and care for them, showing them Jesus. Who are we reaching out for? You go, now, Pastor, I know that we're under COVID all of those wonderful COVID orders. And you go, there's a certain amount of keeping everybody at a distance we've got to do. But I would ask, I believe there are folks that in our very immediate presence, on a regular basis, that we can begin now to build those relationships, get to know them in order to present the gospel so that they could hear the gospel, know the gospel, know that Jesus is the answer and that he is the reason that, uh, that they can, can go to heaven, that he's the only way. So who did Jesus reach out to? That's one of the questions that I have to ask as I walk through, and I go, who did Jesus reach out to? See, because I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to talk about Jesus among this crowd. That is really easy, but that's not who Jesus went to. Matter of fact, if we go, go, go with Jesus to the, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he was usually rebuking that crowd. I always think that's funny. To the church crowd, Jesus was rebuking, and who was he actually going to? He was going to sinners. He was going out to the sinners. You look and you go, here he is. He's, he's out to the sinners. How did he reach out to them? Well, he served them, and then he ministered to them. He found a way to, to serve and to minister them, and that's how. By being salt and light. Being salt and light requires two things. It requires purity and proximity. Purity and proximity. See, purity, living in a way that honors God, proximity is living close enough to those without God to influence them. See, being salt and light requires both, purity and proximity. That requires our engaging our community. That requires developing relationships with non-believers. With non-believers. And serving them, loving them, and showing them Jesus. We can't seclude ourselves from our community if we're going to be lifting up Jesus, to, to be one in focus, that is, uh, uh, and that focus being uh, on Jesus is to be like Jesus. Don't forget, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. He gave us that command. And so the early church was one in focus, and, and that focus was the resurrected Jesus. And we're going to find out in the next chapter that the church grew because the Christians were doing the gospel, and they loved one another. I, I read uh, 
about the uh, plagues that swept Rome. I thought it was interesting read. I, I find anything that deals with plagues right now an interesting read. It should not be that way. And uh, some of you can just laugh at my weird reading desire some days, but that's all right. But I read about the plagues that swept Rome during the early, uh, in, the, in the second century. And uh, all of the doctors fled, but the Christians stayed. I found that very interesting. The doctors fled, the Christians stayed to take care of the sick, and many of the Christians died because of it. But scores of those that they cared for were drawn to Jesus because they saw lo the, the love of Christ. They saw the demonstration of Jesus. See, remember what people see in us is what they come to believe about God. What they see in you and I. That's what they believe about, uh, about God. Getting back to the basics means our being one in focus. In verses 10 and 11 of our text, he tells us there, he says, And they looked steadfastly toward heaven. As he went up, and behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which, he also, said, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus taken up from you into heaven shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So not only were they focused on the rising, they were focused on the returning. Jesus said, and did you catch what the angels told them? This same Jesus, he's coming again. This same Jesus, he's coming again. He, he, he will be coming as the same person, not the Jesus of world religions, not the Jesus of, and we could name the religion, not the Jesus of the world's religions, this same Jesus. Those disciples lived every day with an eye in the sky. They lived in the light of the second coming of Jesus. And we're told in Titus that looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from, from, from every law and deed. We're told in Matthew to be ready for the Son of Man is, is coming at an hour when we know not. Now that gets exciting. I have to be honest. Get ready. Jesus is coming. You know, to be prepared, to be able to go, he's coming and he's coming soon. Revelation 22.20 says that, that we're told to be praying for his return. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And there's more. Listen to 1 John 3.3 3, when it says, And everyone who has this hope in him, what hope? The, the, the second coming of Jesus, that hope purifies himself just as he is pure. See, when it comes to the return of Jesus for his saints, Yes, we're to be looking for his return. We're to be ready and, and we're to be praying for his return. We're to be looking, ready, praying and, and be prepared. Everyone with this hope and in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So the second coming of Jesus motivates me to be pure. I don't know about you. There's coming a day. I want to be ready when he comes. God forbid that I would be in the middle of sin when he returns. Lord, help me not to be there. Lord, help me to be consecrated, to be pure, to be prepared for such a day every day. See, I don't know about you, that takes, takes a little work on my part. It takes a little bit of work and time and prayer and time and reading and time and study and being prepared. And, and that's why we need that daily time of confession, cleansing, and commitment. You talk about an incentive to serve, though. The incentive to serve is, wouldn't it be nice to be serving when he's coming? 
when the trump sounds. I can't wait. I can't wait. I had the privilege to speak a couple of weeks ago over at the Christian school in Delaware, and I got so tickled because those of you know when I speak to the kids, we do all those crazy illustration things. And I took the teabag illustration. Most of you have seen the teabag illustration where the teabag I emptied out, and you got to empty yourself out. I had emptied, emptied the teabag out and made that cone going up and, and uh, emptied the cone, but you've got to be prepared. And, uh, and I hit that thing with the lighter, and it started burning down. And uh, it was funny to watch. There's about 105, 110 kids, something like that, clear to the back of the sanctuary, and they're standing in the back of the sanctuary on their toes, just peeking, watching this thing burn down. And it gets down, and it's like a wish. And I quoted off 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the dead in Christ are going to rise, and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up. I can't do it every time. But the Lord took care of the timing because I'm quoting off the verse and it says, and we which are alive remain will be caught up. And that's when that thing elevated. It took off. Like I said, I couldn't do it on time if I tried. Most times. I just hope to be in the vicinity. But what caught me so, that tickled me so much was to watch. I wasn't actually watching them. I was watching the thing burn down. It was what my ears heard. And that was the, 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 the gasp when that thing shot <laughs> straight up above my head. And those kids, as it was passing, go, oh. And I said, I was like, that was the best part of my day right there. Because they saw something. And Lord willing, they caught the vision of the fact that there's coming a day. And we're going to be raptured out of here. And I don't have to look at the struggles of this world. and I can look beyond. Because I know there's a faith. And it's a living faith. Not a, not a death hope. Not a, I mean, what hope is in death? Let's be honest. What hope's in the pain and the suffering that goes with it? It's not there. That's why Jesus gives us a living hope. I have a hope in of a future. I love how one person said it. I, I believe it was uh, uh, Lee Strobel who uh, who pinned it down. But somebody had asked him about uh, the uh, uh, how can that be a a living hope? And Lee says, "Well, how about if I narrow it down? If I'm right, if I'm right, I have nothing to lose. I'm on my way to heaven." But to an atheist, he said, if you're right, or how about even worse, if you're wrong, you have everything to lose. It'll be eternity separated from God. And I look back and I go, man, so you talk about an incentive to serve. Why do you think the early church was so bent on getting the gospel out to everybody? They lived in light of his coming. After all, they... They, they looked for his return. They prayed for his return. They stayed ready for his return by purifying themselves. And when he came, they didn't want to be ashamed. They didn't want to, didn't want to be ashamed. I don't know about you. I don't either. 
and uh, and we 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 won't as long as we live a spirit-filled and spirit-fueled life a daily confession cleansing and commitment as we live serving and showing others what it means to know Jesus to know Jesus so here's what getting back to the basic involves number one it's it's they're one in their focus one in their focus and I always I I told you earlier I love ball teams and uh, I love uh, watching ball teams and it's really kind of funny because I I had the privilege Bethany oh she's not in here for me to pick on her downstairs but she's playing softball and lord help her miss rachel was picking the other night and she said that i'm like the puppet master and the coaches are like my marionettes so thank you for that illustration the other night we went to practice and I walked out on the field and I greeted the coaches. And lo and behold, yes, I know both coaches. I've known them both for several years. And the one gentleman says, why don't you come right out here on the field? And I said, oh, no, I belong on this side of the fence. I don't belong on that side of the fence. You're the coach. You're the coach. You take care of this. And it was really kind of a funny thing because it was hard. I'll be honest. I like to be on the field. I like to be out there in the, in the middle of it. I wanted to get it so bad. But Bethany, we get in the car afterward. And Bethany goes, <coughs> I said, what? And she says, you told that coach what to do, didn't you? You were working your puppet strings. You were working your puppet strings. I was not working no puppet strings. I behaved myself. I sat outside the fence. She goes, no, you did. I saw you. You did. I said, I did not. I did not. I said, I was helping you stay focused. Stay focused. I said, yes, because there's one thing. Your team's got to focus. She said, you know, without focus, we don't get anywhere. Let me ask you, we just finished, we just finished, I, 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 I just finished March Madness, right? I went ahead and filled out my bracket. By the way, my bracket had the winner, just so you know. My bracket had the winner. The rest of my bracket wasn't real good, but my bracket had the winner. Oh, that's terrible. But you know, when you go through, and I'll brag on that just so you got that down. But you know, it's really kind of funny, but. Those kids from the very get-go, when? A year ago? They started with one goal in mind, didn't they? That was to get to that game. Get to the tournament and get to that game. How about those kids that are down there on the football field in, in Columbus right now and out there every day with Ryan Day, they have one goal in mind. One goal in mind. I could walk through and we could go each... each uh, uh, each athletic group and and uh, and say they got one goal in mind. I would ask us as believers, do we have one goal? Do we have one focus? Is our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? See, we see in the beginning that that, that they were one in focus, and number two, they were one in fellowship. 
they returned to Jerusalem from, from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, and down there in verse number 12, and which is uh, from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were coming to the upper room, where abode both, and now you have the list of names. You have the list of names, you have them there, and they returned, and they entered, they went up into the upper room, they were staying, and these all continued with one accord. There was not a murmur, not a complaint. Peter was no longer asking what John should do. Thomas was no longer pouring cold water on things. John was no longer running ahead of Peter. And Philip was no longer asking for signs. They were all in one accord, unified, waiting for God's next move. Now you talk about sweet fellowship, Psalm 133 in verse number 1. Behold now how good, or behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I say amen to that. It's good, it's pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. Every member of our fellowship, everyone who, who partners with us in ministry and, and, and missions has the responsibility to protect and promote uh, the, our unity in our fellowship. I read this week about a church that has every uh, member sign a covenant that it includes a promise to protect the unity of the fellowship. And, and you look and you go, hmm, let us pursue the things, Romans tells us, which make for peace, and the things which by, uh, by which one may edify one another. 1 Corinthians 1.12 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you, you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. See, when we focus on, our, on personalities or preferences or styles or methods, divisions always happen. We focus on all the wrong things. But when we focus on loving one another, serving one another, fulfilling God's purposes, unity always takes place. Unity always takes place. And people will always disappoint us and let us down like family, even though they don't always act right. You don't just walk out on them. God says in Ephesians 4 and verses 2 and 3, with all lowliness and suffering bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity and the spirit of bond and peace. One focus, one fellowship. Now, notice what happens in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary, and the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. You begin to look and you say, what's happening? They continued literally. The same mind, the same purpose. Can you imagine what would happen in our community if our church were to be like that? Can you imagine what would happen, how we could rock the city and rock the school campus and how we could make a difference in our community, how it is that we could change the, our, our county, these, these all, if we continued with one accord, you read down there in verse number 44. We get down into verse number 44 of Acts 2 and Look what happens. It says, and all that believed were together. They had all things common. Whoa, wait a minute. Verse 46, so continuing daily and with one accord in the temple. How did it happen? What produced that kind of unity and, and fellowship among the early church? Well, they were one and focused. They were Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused people. No personal agendas, only the agenda of Jesus. Next they truly loved one another. 
their focus on Jesus drew them together. Third, they lived with an expectancy of the return of Jesus. His return motivated them to be pure and to live in proximity in order to serve others and show others Jesus. So let's get back to the basics. One in focus, one in fellowship. These all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication. Let's be like the early church. Here I am, Lord. Let's get focused. See, I don't know about you, but it's easy to get distracted. Easy to get distracted. Satan would like nothing better than for the church to be distracted. Just reality. I find it amazing to see how quickly or how easy it is to watch things get derailed. It's amazing. Here's the focus. Here's the plan. And watch the devil do everything he can to upset the whole picture. He has a way of doing so. That's where he got his name, Deceiver. Because that's what he does. He seeks to destroy as well. He seeks to destroy. I heard the, the coolest testimony this week. I was so tickled. I, uh, a young man that I've known for well, a couple of years now, walked up and I said, you know, I, I walked up to him and I had, uh, I had heard from somebody else that he'd come to know Christ. And so I walked up to him and I, I, I smacked him on the arm. I know him well enough that that's not a surprise for me to do that. And I smacked him on the arm and I said, hey, tell me, how'd you meet Jesus? Just tell me. And he, he started laughing and he goes, oh, he said, I have to back up a couple of years before you knew me. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, tell me the story. I want to hear it. And he goes, oh, he says, let me help you. He says, I had my jail stint. I had my drug stint. And he said, I was a wreck. I was homeless. You know my dad. I said, yeah, I do. He says, you know my dad. My dad told me, don't come home. I was not welcome home anymore. He was done. He said, I was homeless. I didn't have anything. I'm broke. And I'm living on the street. And he says, I'm going to call him my angel. I said, okay. He said, this guy come walking up to me and started talking with me about Jesus. Asked me if he'd let me, if he could talk with me for three days, if he took care of me for three days. All right. He took me to a hotel, put me in that hotel, and paid for two nights' stay. He got on his knees prayed with me on day one just prayed with me prayed for me prayed over me he said on day two he come back and he said I was trying to figure out what to do I knew he'd paid and I knew he said I'll see you tomorrow but he didn't give me time or nothing he said he said my lifestyle he said I was I slept like a rock probably the best night's sleep he'd had in six weeks 
And he says, then, he says, there was a knock on the door. He said, I opened the door and I let him in and he said, uh, he said, I, we need to pray again today. And he thought, oh, my lands. They had a word, time of prayer and then they, he said, he took me out to eat. And he said, I hadn't been, he said, he treated me like a king. He took me out to eat and fed me and and uh, took me around. We ran some errands and I just kind of spent the day with him and took me to lunch and then we were continued in, in dinner time in the evening and each time he prayed and each time all day long we talked about the Lord. He told me, he said, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. The guy came back in the morning the next day to, and uh He'd only paid for the two nights, and the young man's going, I'm not real sure what's going to happen. He come back that next day, and the guy made sure. He took, picks him up and took all the stuff, and he said, I got a place for you to go, and I have a job lined up for you today. They went, and he took him to, took him to the job, and he went to the job, and he just it wasn't much of a job, but it was a job couldn't get a job before and then he goes but even better than that was at the end of the day the gentleman says alright you've made it three days I have a place for you to sleep not much it's just a shed it's protected from the weather but until you get on your feet it's something for you and each day he come back and it went on for about two weeks and he got paid and able to get out of the shed and begin to move forward and he says and all along the way the guy kept praying with him and one day he disappeared he said he introduced me to Jesus he got me on my knees praying and I talked to God every day to him. you can see the tears running down his face and he says I wish I knew he says I don't know he says, it's been three years. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know where he is. And I've never seen him again. But if it weren't for him, if it weren't for his relationship with Jesus and willingness to make an investment in my life, he said, I don't believe I'd be here today. And I definitely. can't get much further in the gutter he says he said the gutter had fallen apart underneath me who are you kidding it was terrible but God had a person and God had a way what's really interesting is, is that was about three years ago and his dad I, he's in a meeting with me on a regular basis and his dad told me about a week ago he said did you know He's been clean since that day. He's got a wife and a child, and they're buying their house right now. God has completely changed his life. And his dad looked at me, and he said, and I know that's the Jesus you know. 
And I looked back at him and I said, but is that the Jesus that you know? Because his dad was not my Jesus. And I'll tell you what, his dad sat there with me and we had a time of prayer and and a time of, of conversation. But you know what? Proximity matters, doesn't it? We don't have those opportunities if we don't get close. There was somebody who took a risk. That's a big risk. Mine was simple. Mine's just the proximity. But are we focused enough? I look at that individual and I've been thinking in my mind, I have no idea who it is, but I wish I did. I'd love to walk up to him and say, thank you for the opportunity you've given me. But I'd also like to say, look at what God did through you. And that young man goes, at this point, I'm just going to call him an angel because I don't know who else. And I'd ask, what's God doing? What is the Lord Jesus doing in our life right now? And maybe there's somebody in your life that we need to reach out to. Maybe there's somebody that we need to be with. In focus, but also in proximity.